Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Graham Twine, and today we have Sergio Pereira. This guy is uh, anything. He can do anything, this guy. He's literally a chef, an artist, a musician, a nutritionist. He's like... He's, he could easily be a model, one of the best-looking blokes you've ever seen. Do not get a photo with this guy. You probably saw it on the Instagram. It makes makes everyone look average, and I'm a pretty good-looking bloke, if I don't say so myself. Today's podcast brought to you by Green Endeavour. Who's Green Endeavour? Green Endeavour is the company that looks after the brand Suncoast Fresh and Fruitling. Just one employer of choice. That's very cool. Also brought to you by Chef Notepad. Please check them out, chefnotepad.com.au, and you will learn lots. Today's a ripper. Sit back, relax. Let's get into this. Sergio Pereira. Now, you race Formula yeah. One cars. Or is that Sergio no, Pereira? That's, that's different. Pre- yeah. That's Pereira. Oh, there's so many versions of Pereira. 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 Depending yeah. on where you're from, Spain, yeah. Portugal. Yeah. Awesome. So we've been mates for a while, haven't we? Yeah, it's been, uh, what, three years three? now? I think it's more. It was before we, COVID. Well, that's true, actually, yeah. right before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So I met you through Sammy. You must have been doing some stuff in Byron, and um, yeah. Sammy introduced us, and you come up and saw us in Brizzy, and we became mates like that. But, yeah. So now we'll just set the scene here a little bit. We're at your place in Suffolk, and mm-hmm. um, you and your lovely partner Tess live here, and um, it's a beautiful place, I have to say. And, peaceful. Um, Very peaceful. Uh, from a peaceful yeah, point of view, it's got the fire, <laughs> little garden, it's yeah. really lovely, mate. So it's a, yeah. a really inspirational spot to launch off the cooking. I bet you cook some good stuff at home. Oh, yeah. We love using that fire pit. We use that quite a bit, um, and especially because I love fire cooking. Mm. It's probably my most favorite way of cooking, to be honest. Mm. So any, t- any chance we have to utilize that, we'll yeah. do it. Yeah. So you're working with winning appliances at the moment. So you're getting around the country. We just sent some stuff up to you at Hamilton Island for you to yep. cook and do some stuff for sailors. Is that right? Yeah. So it was um, it was for the uh, Comanche, the Andu Comanche, which is one of the one of the fastest boats in the world. And uh, so we they raced last year, um, and they raced this year. So what I've done is John Winning also sails, so he's a part of the, the team. Um, and because I started the way I met John Winning was we I started helping him with his his diets. Uh, this was right, probably right after when the lockdowns started to happen and a lot of people kind of fled Sydney. You know, he he made his move to Byron, needed some uh, someone to help him with his diet, and that's how it all started. We ended up having a great relationship. Uh, became an ambassador to the business. So anything related to any of the, the appliances that they work with, I do a lot of you know master classes, demonstrations. I use their product, I test their product. Can you cook <clears throat> or are you just good looking? <laughs> no, I can, well, yeah, trust me. I, no, I hope I it's, I hope it's cook, my cooking that, that's gotten me here. Um, and his yeah. name's really Winnings? I did not know that. Yeah, he's oh a, winning, yeah. Well, he's a fascinating human being though. He really is. He's. We got along so well because he's he's very innovative. I mean, we're talking about a three generation company, you know. So um, so he's the CEO now, and he's he's really taken the business to another level. And and I, I love his way of thinking. And he's very into science and arts and, and creativity. So we got along really well. And uh, so I got on board, and I started helping him with his diet. And then you know, a few years down the line, I'm doing a lot of ambassador work for him. And then last year, decided to take on the Comanche and um, do the Sydney to Hobart race. 
So he asked me to help out with, with all the sailors. And we're talking about probably these best sailors in the world at their craft. Mm. I'm not, I don't know much about sailing, but, but each individual had their, you know, position or, or job and they're the best in the world. So John was able to, you know, round these guys up and create this incredible racing team. And I was in charge of all their diets individually. I looked after them and, uh, yeah, helped them. Well, they won the race last year, so. Stuff. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully they win again this year. They had a, a bit of a, an accident this last time, as they were coming in, and the boat hit something. So it's it's on the men. They're fixing it, but they're gonna race. I have a feeling they'll they'll take it again. It's quite appropriate for you that you're working with winning appliances because <laughs> you work with a lot of winners. Yeah, is that would that be fair to say? Look, I've been very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. I've been very fortunate to work with incredible people and in in the most unique way my, my my career trajectory has been unusual to say the least um to, to give you a little backdrop on yeah let's go I'm back from <clears throat> so i was born in saragossa spain that's i don't know if you know spain much no no so saragossa is right in between madrid and barcelona and um I was born and raised there. My mother's Spanish. My father's actually Mexican-American. So okay. he's from Mexico. He's from northern Mexico, left Mexico, uh, to, uh, got into the States, joined the, the American Air Force, was shipped to Spain, and that's where he met my mother. And that's where, where it all happened. Beautiful. He ne never, never went back. <laughs> so he stayed in Spain. And uh, I was born and raised there. We... we um, Grew up in a family, typical, you know, kind of European family. And I, I guess normally most European families know how to cook. My f family certainly did. Grandmother, grandfather, they all cooked. I'm incredible cooks. My aunts, uncles. Uh, my grandfather also, ma also made wine. His brother made olive oil. You know, so we had these luxuries on a weekly basis almost, you know. So I was immediately drawn to that day to day of going to the markets, to the fruit stands, you know, knowing who the best person, who had the best apples, knowing who had the best this, going to your, your butcher who had his own farm, who butchered his own animals, you know, the best fishmonger. We became, it was, it was very, you know, small little village that we were in. So we, we were able to know and understand where our produce was coming. And, and coming from and just getting the most beautiful things and taking them home and cooking them. Beautiful. So, it was, yeah. so that sounds like a perfect childhood. It was. I mean, look, you know, I was, I was born. In <laughs> but that was normal as well. It, it, it was. So it, it was, it was perfect. normal. It's, it's perfect looking at it from this time zone. Right. Back to that time zone going, oh, my God, that's why people move to Byron as well because they want to well, yeah. you know, try and emulate that style of living yeah. um, as best as possible. Yeah, well, it's, that's the thing. It's knowing, actually knowing who grows your food, yeah. you know? And I think in Byron, obviously, you know, it's it's a smaller town, you know, it's not a big city. So you are, you do have access to that. You mm. can you can meet those people and, and, and you know, you're anywhere you go, you'll run into them. Mm. Um, and it's it's a great little, you know, it, it's, it's a luxury to be able to do that. Mm. Obviously, when you're in a big city, it, things change. Not to say that you don't get incredible produce, but you just don't have that connection. And I think, um, you know, also the understanding of what the process entails when you're talking about growing things, you mm. know? And 
I think you know this being in your business. Mm. It's like you 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 have a beautiful ingredients and you have beautiful produce that you want to be able to distribute to the masses. But I mean, like I would ask you, like, how, do you find that challenging? Like, if you have a certain standard that you abide by, how do you, how do you make sure that not just the restaurants are getting the quality, but yeah, you know, look, there's there's um. You know, obviously we have the two brands now, the Fruitlink and the Suncoast brand. And yeah. the Fruitlink brand, you know, supplies great fruit shops from the premium offer, but also has a the, the next step down. You know, when we're thinking farming, we want to be able to utilize the whole crop. So uh, we want to be able to use the premium class one size 20 to 23 avocados for certain shops and certain demographics who want that. Then we also want to be able to have uh, the next step down, which might be just uh, an avocado with a slight mark that'll go to mm. restaurants who are, you know, processing them into things. Then we've got bulk for people who are looking for that next level down. It might be the Gasman and Gomez or someone yeah. like that who's looking to process, you know, a lot. So, mm. you know, every product's got a, a spec and a size and we're forever finding the product for the purpose of its end utilizer and that's in the setup making sure that there's a complete understanding of people um understanding what they want and they're mm -hmm. going to research that through their customers so there is a lot of education and we, we're very proud to say we do it quite well in some areas there's always room for improvement with the retail yeah. side of things but these merchandises out the road we're yeah. constantly showing how to display stuff and trying to make sure they've got the story through constant communication but yeah it can always get better particularly and that's what we're aiming to do mm -hmm. you know like more and more we, we want to educate you know through the joy of real food yeah and um what do you got a question scott just sell me ah look obviously the seasons um you know, working and pushing the seasons as you and a lot of people know, and I know it's an old sort of thing, eat in season, but that's when things are at their cheapest yeah. and that's when yeah. we should be utilising them. And I think you're dead right about the gap between what you had as a child in that time zone. I do want to get into your career a little bit yeah. more before we jump into saving the world here, but um, that gap between a village where you can rip around and know the producers and you own only eating in season because not mm. a lot of stuff's coming inside. Some no. things might come, carrots, onions, things might come yeah. afar sometimes. But, um, yeah, to, to what we have here today, um, but they said there was a break at some point in the cycle of people, you know, getting too busy and not cooking and heating and, and, and losing that touch in the kitchen, which I do think um, a big part of everything that we do, e.g. sleeping, eating, all the stuff. Mm. So we'll get to that a little bit yeah. later, Matt. But, you know, I'm actually really passionate about that. And, yeah, that's how we do it. We really coordinate with our customers and what they want. Yeah. And we find the product for the purpose and distribute that out. Yeah. Enhancing yeah. the local environment. We're working with lots of little farms around here, getting that to restaurants, working yeah. with lots of little farms around Noosa or Yamba or wherever it might yeah. be, just making sure that everyone's getting that lo little local list as well. So it's mm. a big coordination of mass moving carrots and cool moving the cool stuff and yeah. we've got like 12 people buying and sourcing stuff yeah. to make sure we get the right stuff because it is about relationships with those guys. but this yeah. is not my podcast this is your yeah. podcast <laughs> tell me about <laughs> tell me about um so you're over in spain that so what got you your grandfather was a chef yeah and you're whipping into restaurants <clears throat> over there yeah they, they were my grandfather was a chef um i, I originally didn't want to be a chef that, that was never my goal i wanted to be a musician so i went to music conservatory in Spain. Uh, there was a famous one that I went to um, in San Sebastian, which is, uh, again, it's, it's, it's in the Basque region of Spain, beautiful part of the world. And um, so I studied classical music for three years. So that's mm. what I really wanted to do. Mm. And, and um, 
studied music composition. No, you My, didn't want to stand in the kitchen and sweat <laughs> like a dog and yeah, have paper Long tapes hours, and yeah. send shit back to you. And long no, hours thinking, and thinking on it now, and... I should have probably stuck to music. But uh, <laughs> but no, music was, it really was my my passion. Um I studied, uh, my, I, my vision was to be a composer. That's what I wanted. That was my ultimate dream. Um, so I studied classical music for three years, um, music composition, you know, I studied opera, the whole thing. And then I got back after three years thinking I was going to continue because you, you usually do have to continue in some way, depending mm. on what direction you go in. But um, I needed a job. And by that point, I was 17. So I started working with my grandfather. It's funny uh, how money gets in the way of things. Yeah. Well, well, it is. Because you you also think, well, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money at the time. So I thought, all right, there's going to be some money that I'm going to have to put in here. So I I really want to, really want to uh, go to music school and continue this. I'm just going to have to work. Hmm. So we started doing that. I I was working and... um, did started with very traditional things, you know. It was a it was a very traditional. Uh, it was the cuisine that was traditional of of, of Saragossa, which is in the Aragon region of Spain, which is very. There's a lot more. It's a lot more meat heavy than 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 seafood, obviously, because it's more. It's a. Uh, it's not a coastal town, um, but it was just very beautiful ingredients. Very simple ingredients, a lot of fire cooking, a lot of slow braises, um, beautiful fresh vegetables, the use of beautiful olive oil, you know, very simple cooking. And I started doing very simple salads, you know, I was doing at the that. restaurant. Yeah, at the restaurant. I was yeah. working with all the, the, the cold. Where were you then? Where was I? What restaurant? Oh, this was uh, just my grandfather's little oh, local yeah, yeah, that's place. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it, we, you know, it was. It was this beautiful little place that I think maybe it's uh, like 25, 30 people, but it was always busy. Um, and it was always very, it, it was local people, a few people from, you know, outside the town, but for the most part, it was just locals. How many days a week was that? Oh, I was probably doing maybe, I started with three days a week. Was the restaurant open five? So? It was open, yeah, it was open four and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, see, that's good balance as well. Yeah, exactly. Liking, well, know, that's the thing. I wish that I'm model sort of, was I'm, still... Like, yeah, yeah, I like, this is, yeah, yeah. Although we, I mean, look, there are restaurants in Paris that, in, or in France that do that. Yeah. I think they've, and they've been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's potentially that one of the things balance has got to be beautiful. Yeah. Now, we talk about people going to a four-day work week. Hey, well, I think close all the a, restaurants, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Huh? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a beautiful idea. I mean, yeah. well, it is. I think it'd be amazing. Imagine. No, well, we could do the opposite. We could, I don't mind working the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. Monday, or, yeah. or Thursday, whatever, and then yeah. keeping you know, and everyone goes to work and they forced to cook at home those other days yeah. rather than things. Oh, so exactly. We should be looking for that balance. Oh, absolutely. You know, that works in you know, at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, where, so you you got into a couple of restaurants then. After yeah. So I was uh, look. I mean, long story short, I got I really got into it. I got into cooking. I I I would I would real I would just witness like how the effect that it had on people. You know, the the the, the constant celebration. You know, mm. it, it didn't matter what day it was. You know, the eating and the drinking and the and the having. You know, beautiful conversations with people at the table that's all really beautiful things to see and i I just absolutely fell in love with the craft there was this craft um this this artistry about it that i really really pulled me in 
So I decided, you know what, if I'm going to continue doing this for a bit, I still had music on my mind, but I thought, if I'm going to continue doing this, I'm going to do it even better. I'm going to go to a school. At the time, I thought I would go to a culinary school. That didn't end up being the case. I did apply for a pastry. um, I wanted to learn pastry. So I applied to a very famous school in San Sebastian, which I'm not even sure if it's still there, but um, I really wanted to learn that, so I applied. I, I got accepted, but then my grandfather knew a chef who knew another chef who was doing some amazing things in Spain at the time. This is this is the rise of, of probably modern gastronomy in Spain, um, and there was a restaurant in San Sebastian called Arzac by Juan Marie Arzac, and this guy is he's still he's still alive today. He's considered the grandfather of molecular gastronomy of just the whole modernist movement that mm. Spain brought to the world. Um, he said, if, if you really want to do something interesting, you need to go to this guy and, and just apprentice and be an apprentice under him. Mm. So I said, sure, why not? I'll try it. And my grandfather had that connection, ended up going into this restaurant that was very small, but very creative and food like I'd never seen before. It presented it, traditional dishes presented in a very unique way. And for the first time, it was incorporating this, this idea that to consume something, you, you don't just consume it, you have to smell it, you have to touch it. So it was a very visual, it was very tactile, the way that they were um, giving you that experience in this restaurant. And, and the presentations were just, very unique. Like I've never seen anything before. I mean, I'd, I'd seen a lot of, you know, very modern French cooking, and I'd seen the, the technicality that was involved in that. What time are we talking here? This what? is the, oh, God, it was 1997. Okay. Yeah. 1997, 98. Yeah. yeah nice. uh, so this was at the, this was when, when, this is before, I'd say probably when El Bulli was, was starting to get noticed. Yeah, okay. Uh, but this guy, Arzak, was the first one in Europe. Yeah, okay. And then El Bulli kind of took it all, all over yeah. the world, yeah. <clears throat> which there's, that, there's a connection there. Work, I was an apprentice at this place for about six months and ended up staying for a total of three years. Nice. Um, learned incredible techniques, learned about how to choose produce the chef would take all of us out to to the to meet the farmers everybody we yeah, had yeah. to we had to make those relationships so here's another key difference in what we're doing now is mm. you know that is happening a bit but not yeah. as much because you know, potentially much. you're a chef you work eight hours these days and go home so oh. you know it's you know like music yeah. uh, the flavors are the notes to the to the to the dish mm. um you know it's an art and an artist needs to paint and do the things in that Absolutely. time that's you know uh, a little bit more work mm. so we're, we're sometimes bound by this eight hours thing which can have a bit of a hamstring on us now so <clears> i'm <throat> just Absolutely. taking notes of all the things that you did back and the how many yeah. hours of work to trying to get these two differences yeah. of of how food was happening then and how food's happening now. Not that you're 100 years old, but right. you know, yeah. it's yeah. not that long ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it is interesting how quickly yeah. this, the, these things change. They do. I mean, it's, you know, it, it was, um, I, it's, also, it's also a cultural thing as well. You know what I mean? I, it, 
it's changing here. I've noticed it. I've li been living in Australia now for seven years. <clears throat> and I think it's an, an exciting time mm. to be in Australia with chefs and restaurants. Now more than ever. Mm. You know, um, because there is, you know, the, Australia is full of immigrants, mm. you know, and there's so much, you know, there's so many different cultures so many different bloodlines. And it's incredible that now the younger generation of, of Australian chefs are honoring that, mm. you know? And you're, you're seeing that in restaurants, whether it's a modern Italian place with, an, you know, using beautiful Australian ingredients mm. um, or an Australian twist on it, or, or even Asian restaurants, French, Greek, mm. you know, there's a, it's everywhere. And now they are honoring that and they are realizing the beautiful produce that exists in Australia. And, and you know, everyone always talks about Europe, how beautiful their ingredients are, or even the States, but Australia's got incredible ingredients mm. as well. And, and some that you, that you won't find in any other part of the world, mm. probably some of the most interesting ingredients you'll find in Australia. Um, so, and, and chefs are doing that as well. They're incorporating their Italian or Greek roots with these beautiful, interesting, you know, native ingredients. It, it's, so it's a really fascinating way to, of seeing how they're pairing all that and doing all that and, mm. and utilizing the techniques. Yeah. Um, but th that's, that's, what I, that's what I did. And, and, and it was with the chefs at this restaurant, I was learning the whole, every aspect of, of what it was to be a cook. Hmm. And um, it, it slowly evolved. I, I, was, I became fascinated by the Japanese culture and Japanese food. Yeah, you went there for a few years? I did, yeah. Uh, there was an apprentice who was working with me who was from uh, Kyoto. And Beautiful part of the world. In, incredible. So he invited me to go visit his family's restaurant in Kyoto. <clears throat> Ended up going there. What turned out to be a two-week thing ended up being a three-year relationship and became an apprentice at that restaurant. So I learned Kyoto's an interesting place in the sense of craft because, well, I mean, the Japanese have a, an incredible way of looking at any craft. Um, <clears throat> they really look... Uh, I don't want to sound, you know, kind of cheesy, but they really look at the soul of what the craft, uh, the, the, what the soul of the, of the craft is. Mm. And they look at its history. They look at its, how, its effect on culture. They, looked, uh, they look at how, it's, it, how it started, how it's evolved and where it's going. And then from there, they, they just, once they have that complete understanding, they take it even further. And, 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 and what I mean by that is that you look at a lot of the best pastry chefs in the world now aren't from France, they're from Japan. Because you've had a, a lot of these, you know, you've had this, 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 this way of looking at a craft, you know, these young Japanese cooks who go to Paris and are fascinated by the, the craft of patisserie. They learn it, they study the history, the, the, how it's evolved and how it's changing. And, and they've, they've just taken it back to their, to their country, they've mastered it. Japan, Japanese uh, anything is good. Um, it's 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 actually, you know, the food is one thing. You know, mm. you know the way they make cars, the way they do anything is mm. um, is it has a system and a process that is it very. Is. It's a deep one. Uh, there's a deep connection, which is why I said soulful, because mm. there is. I mean, it's it, you could look at something as craft or as 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 
just a, I don't know, a method. You know, a craft has depth and soul. You know, it's not like if you're just building a car, well, you're building a car, but you know, like if, if you're, not to say that a car isn't something that you can get creative with, but for example, if you're, if you're roasting a chicken or doing, or let's just say cooking over fire, which is, there's a huge comeback of that, right? Mm, and there's yeah. a, a lot of restaurants now doing fire cooking, which is funny because it's not funny. It's interesting that it just comes to show you that we always go back to our roots, right? Mm. And I mean, how primitive or primal is, is, is fire cooking. Mm. That's what we yeah. started with, but it's a very difficult way of cooking. Very difficult. It's it's not the same as cooking, you know, with gas fire or induction. It's it's a completely different skill altogether. Winning's appliance got the fire thing going yet? Oh yeah, they've got a few. Yeah, they've got they've got it. No, they've got it all. Yeah. Um, you know, where are we going with that? So <laughs> sorry. We, like, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Wait, so we got the soulful, the soulful from Japan. That's right. Probably. Yeah, it's it the the when you when you make that d connection when when you when you when you really look at the, the history of, of, of a craft and, and you fully understand it, that's when I feel you can, you can evolve with it. If you don't really have an understanding of, of where it comes from, where it's been, where it's going and what it, what is it, what it contains, how can you make it better? You know, unless you just repeat something over and over again and you're fine and you're fine with that, hmm. then you're not really evolving, you're just settling there's, there's there's some beauty in that as well like learning mm. to, to cook the noodles you know there's right. something that actually can teach you the type of, type of discipline i believe um of doing something like you know just mm. making sober noodles every day right you now there's uh you know you get movement from the exercise from it is following yeah. something there's something beautiful in that uh as well and then 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 yeah those traditional dishes yeah mm. you can you can evolve them but I do love something as simple as soap noodles and broth. Absolutely. And tempura prawns or whatever it might be that they do that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you, so you're talking about like the Japanese yeah, like yeah, mentality yeah. where yeah. they, it's like, it's like, what was the Tony Robbins quote that I love? It's a uh, repetition is the mother of skill. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, it is, <clears throat> you know, uh, the Japanese do that very well. Look, a lot of other cultures do. I'm just saying Japanese because of the fact that I was able to experience the Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. But they just do things so beautifully, so poetically. There's so much respect mm. to the craft. Um, and I really took that on. It, was, it, it affected me. I think the reason why it affected me more than, than, than I don't know, maybe most is the fact that I had this beautiful appreciation for music. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, to understand music is a very deep and soulful thing, you know? And um, I, I, I ended up staying there for three years, learned kaiseki, which is uh, a very beautiful and poetic form of dining, and which is very similar to a degustation in a, in, in, in a sense. Um, but it, it's very seasonal, it's very poetic. It, it, it basically does tell you know, a story, the whole meal, mm. you know, and it's dressed beautifully with seasonal flowers. Uh, it's presented on, 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 on pieces of wood and nature that's cut out by the chefs. Everything's every Is that bit what of Noma it. was trying to emulate? Yeah, kind of. I, you can definitely see a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, look, a lot, of, I can't think of one restaurant that wouldn't have any influence from the Japanese yeah. uh, with that aesthetic, that really yeah. beautiful, clean yeah, yeah. aesthetic. Um, a lot, most people do, they, they, they are inspired by that. I certainly am. Um, 
so that was my 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 thing with Japan. I had this beautiful um, just uh, meeting the people, understanding the craft, and then going back to Spain with that knowledge, and then utilizing the same kind of the the same clear with the, looking at things with a with a different lens. Really, there's mm. this clarity that I had. Wow. Okay. There's there's a lot of beauty and, and simplicity in, in, a, in a dish that can that just has three ingredients. It doesn't have to have 50 ingredients. You know, it's focusing on on just the product itself. Mm. If you have three beautiful, you know, things, whether it's a beautiful vegetable, a beautiful fish, and a beautiful whatever, if they're, if they're the perfect at its peak, then mm. you don't, there's not much you need to do. You know, and just know how to cook it right. Yeah. Um, so I went with back with that mentality and. and um, I started incorporating a lot of the methods that I learned, you know, whether it's cutting methods, cooking methods. So right now you've got all these beautiful skills. You've, you've mm. been to Japan, you've learned from your grandfather, you've learned in some cool restaurants in Spain, and it's time to pack up the bags and head to America. Is that what yeah. Saying? Well, after a series of, 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 of um, apprenticeships, Al Bully was obviously the, the the last one I did, which I did that for two years, and then I was in the lab the last oh, that's two right, years. The lab. Let's talk about that but lab. The, um, so the lab. So obviously, anyone who knows El Bully knew that the restaurant was only Tell open. Tell people what El Bully is. So El Bully, yeah. So El Bully was the, I guess the the father of molecular astronomy. They changed the entire direction of cooking. Did you have uh, to work there for free? Everyone worked, you, worked you, there Yeah, free, you were yeah. an apprentice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the only people that got paid were the original yeah. head chefs and yeah. everyone else was, you know, we were talking about 40 to 50 chefs, uh, cooks in, in a kitchen. Yeah. And yeah. they're all, yeah, they're all apprentices mm -hmm. wanting to learn from this genius. Yeah. Um, it was the number one restaurant in the world for six consecutive years, five to six consecutive years. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the very first one to be. Um, and uh, they, their cooking was just, out of this world, like literally out, out of this world. You were, you were, the, the restaurant was as classic Spanish as it comes, but you were getting served these pieces of art <laughs> constellations yeah, that yeah, you didn't it's, understand. It's, I, I, remember, yeah. I don't know where I saw it. it was yeah, it, it, was, it was an amazing experience. Again, there was a lot of Japanese aesthetic in that in the sense of how, how the kitchen worked. There was a structure, it was very, Look, I, I look at it as being in the Marines. It was very controlled, very, there was, everything was timed. Um, the synchronicity, the synchronicity of it all was insane. Um, it was- um, it, it has it, to be about, doesn't it? Well, yeah, when you, when you, you know, we were doing, they were only doing dinners and, and, and a couple lunches here and there, but you were doing a, a, a tasting menu that was, anywhere between 40 to 60 courses. Not okay. all of them eaten. Some of them you drank, some of them you- It was the Anthony like, Bourdain you know. who I saw go there. <laughs> yeah. like, that's where I saw the yeah. theater of it. And that's a picture that I'm putting in my yeah. mind. Well, it was, it was, you were there for five hours yeah. and you were experiencing this, something that you'd never experienced in your life. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was, it was incredible. So I was, I was able to get, you know, an apprenticeship there in 2000 and, Seven in 2009. Resume is looking good now, man. Yeah. <laughs> huh? So I was very lucky with that. And then the pastry chef, Albert Adria, who's the chef, the restaurant was run, it was two brothers, Ferran and Albert Adria. 
Albert and, uh, and I became really great friends and then kind of followed him because he left the restaurant. He was the pastry chef of the place. He left the restaurant a couple of years before it closed down to do his own thing. And I followed him and, and learned mostly from him. Uh, and then the, the restaurant closed down in 2011 um, simply because it was just getting too big. You know, is it's it's it really was. It's it, and I I remember what Ferran said. He said like we're, the restaurant's just getting too intense. We it's like we we've got to kill the monster. It's just mm. getting too powerful. And they they were when you look at what they were doing and how they were doing it, it didn't make sense to be open as a restaurant. They needed to be an institution, mm. and that's exactly what they've done. They've mm. reopened just earlier this year. It's been closed for almost what 2011. Mm. How many years now? So a while, it's 12, 15 years or so, but it's, it just reopened, but now it's a museum. And um, you can go there, you could see the original place where you used to dine. Uh, you can see the, the, oh the techniques and the methods that they used to do, how they would come up with the dish. Um, they've built some new things around it, but it's, it's, you can go visit that now. Wow. Um, and and he's my list. yeah. So Ferran Ferran is doing incredible stuff. He's doing exactly that. He's creating these new methods where um, he's going to be sh you know sharing with with the public. Mm. He they do have plans to take on twenty five chefs a year from all over the world, where they're going to have to devote one year at El Bulli and come up with new techniques, not new dishes or new recipes, new techniques to be yeah. able to do those dishes and recipes. Brand new, never done before. And they're gonna document all that. And then they're gonna allow everyone to have the information. So that's what he's doing. And that's exactly what El Bullish should have been always. And he's doing that now. Yeah, because we sort of stopped, didn't we? For a yeah. really long time. So, okay, that's how we cook. Yeah. That's how we're doing now, kids. Well, I mean, it's funny how he started. He had the idea one day, he was, he was doing very, Fran Adria is who I'm speaking of. And when El Bulli was was you know first kind of started, he was cooking very traditional Catalonian cuisine, which is Spanish food that with a lot of French influence. And then one day he just decided, you know what? I already know how to make an omelet. I want to make something I've never done before. Mm. And it was a thought that was as simple as that. Well, like I already know how to make this. Well, who was the first person that created that came up with? making an omelet. How did that come about? Who was the first person that did, you know... It's someone who couldn't find yeah. a spatula. They were making scrambled eggs. <laughs> and Where's the spatula? Yeah. Where's the spatula? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, prob that's probably how it happened. <laughs> that is how well, every accident... I reckon all these inventions... Which count. is fascinating about a lot of the ways we eat. It's like, how did who was the first person to eat an oyster? I yeah. thought it was a good idea to eat oyster. Very hungry you know? <laughs> But these these questions got him to do what he did, and it changed the world. Mm. I mean, you know, you've got Rene Redzepi, who went to El, was an apprentice in El Bulli. You've got people like Thomas Keller, who even went and visited El Bulli to learn a few things. You've got, I mean, so many chefs in the world right now who have their own restaurants. I mean, obviously, Rene Redzepi, we all know who mm. he is. He was... He was at Obul. He was highly inspired by them. So there's incredible chefs out there that have done their own thing after that. Mm. So it's yeah, it was it was an incredible journey to go through that creative process, creative and craft. So how did you? So, so you now you've got this. Like I said before, it's an amazing resume. So how do you go to that to creating diets? 
as oh, well as being an amazing yeah. chef. Like, you know, so you've got this. Uh, so what was the, the jump to doing that? And how did it correlate with your own values? Um, well, well, let's see. The, the whole nutritional part. It's interesting. We don't think of necessarily nutrition when we talk about cooking or, or, or craft. We don't in the chef world. Right. But more and but more. But the day-to-day -day kind of health aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've Not got so that. much, yeah. Because millions, a lot of people are eating out all the time. Yeah. Uh, we want to get um, beautiful food. Yeah. Um, but we also want to have a healthy, nutritious meal out, mm. um, you know, with a little bit of the entertainment, a little bit yeah. of the show that we, we're used to as a dining sort of yeah. thing. But you don't want to feel like you would have in an old Italian restaurant where we've got the cream and the pasta and the cabernet, yeah. delicious as those things were and are. Mm. Um, you want something now. Um, and, and I am interested because I have another friend who's a private chef for yeah. Jagger and yeah. you know, um, the Rolex family and um, half a dozen other people yeah, she worked nice. with. And, um, yeah, she talks about how their diet went from a cabernet with cream to it's now yeah. almonds that have yeah. been milled or, or and yeah, like to almond cream or whatever cream and she again. lived with us for a while for steam yeah and um and we she just would not not cook like yeah. it was like i would go to the airport we'd be flying somewhere and we'd be on the lounge and she'd go and make me a little thing for, to take on the plane really? she was so used to being wow. this servant in the game so it's it, i want to know yeah your yeah, how did you go I mean, from being uh, a wonderful was, chef to it was look, it was all an accident to be honest with you how i got how i got involved with not so much the nutritional side um i'm i'm talking about more about how i stumbled on the whole private world yeah um i was i i i had this opportunity to go to the united states to help a friend open a restaurant in san francisco so i i, I fly there from i had just been, spent some time working in New York, New York City. Had some great restaurants there. Um, I was at Jean George, um, and then I helped David Chang with one of his restaurants, uh, Sambar at the time. And um, went to San Francisco and was planning on helping this friend of mine open this restaurant. We were going to Los Angeles quite a bit for produce and, and meeting with certain people because we wanted there were certain things we wanted to, he wanted to get from there. Restaurant doesn't end up happening. Something happened within the investors. So I ended up getting stuck in Los Angeles for a few weeks. I had no money, had nothing. I was trying to figure out, well, what am I gonna do now? I had this job that I was, you know, where I was gonna be helping and then potentially be a sous chef for a while and then go back to Europe. Um, didn't happen, so I was kind of just doing some things and I ended up meeting some friends and ran into a, a, an old chef friend of mine, this Italian chef, who I hadn't seen in years. And he had been living in Los Angeles for a while already and he was doing, he was a private chef, he's doing private cooking for actors. And I thought, oh, that sounds exciting. Oh, great. Uh, we had ended up having a few beers that night and, and caught up and then we, you know, we left and then a little bit down, you know, probably a, almost a month later, he ends up contacting me and says, look, I need to go back to Italy, you know, for my, you know, I have a family member who's sick. Can you help me? I need a, I need someone to take over while I'm away. And I said, well, look, sure, I can do it. What is it that you need exactly? And he said, look, I just need you to be, to be able to cook for this person and do this, this, and this. It's very easy. It's, it's very, you know, simple, as long as you're using beautiful, fresh ingredients and, you know, 
you know, in a clean way that that's all you, this person really needs. He's on, he's, he's filming at the moment. I said, all right, sure. I, Doesn't sound not? like a Mission Impossible, does it? <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue into that. Isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, funny enough, it, it was. It was Tom Cruise, um, who had been doing Vanilla Sky at the time. And uh, I had no idea. Well, I, you know, look, I can cook whatever you want. What is that you want? I just don't know. I didn't understand what I was meant, if, if I was meant to do anything else. Aside from just cooking, how do I do this? What's is there communication? Do I not speak to him? Do I does someone yeah, else? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? The, I didn't know. That's, it's, that's a minefield. It yeah, is a bit of a minefield. Like, uh, we're talking about someone who I've you know whose movies I've watched for, since I was a kid, and then like well, that's weird. It was weird to me, but it was paying money. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this because mm. it's paying good money. And hey, if I get to meet the guy, great. So I did it. Ended up doing that for three months. Great experience, incredible experience. Um, and then we kind of said our goodbyes. I didn't really expect to ever come back and do any of that sort of thing anymore. And um, probably, I'd say maybe just a few weeks later, I ended up getting a, 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 someone contacting me about helping them. And it was someone through Tom Cruise. Um, and that's how it all happened. Mm. And it just happened like that from just person yep. to person, word of mouth. Yes. Hey, I know so-and-so who can help you with this, this, and this. So I started to get really busy and started cooking for quite a few different actors, doing films and, and even started doing things for politicians and mm. asking me to do things. And I thought, all right, I, if I'm going to continue doing this, I better sound like I know what I'm doing as well. Not just not just do, you know, yeah. I, I can't just look like like I know what I'm doing. So I ended up put, putting myself, to, I think I took like some, you know, six week course on nutrition. I thought I'm just gonna get a certification just so I have something to show. Yeah, exactly. I thought I'm just going to do that. And look, uh, to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that I already kind of knew, <laughs> basic yeah. information. Because you're a healthy person as well. Were yeah. you healthy there? Well, yeah, I am. I yeah. mean, well, look, eating Mediterranean is already healthy. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say yeah. I yeah. eat, I eat the way yeah. I've always eaten. Um, but I was, yeah, but I was a f very physical. I did take care of myself in the sense that I loved exercising. I used to do a lot of, um, uh, I, oh, I played soccer for many years. Um, Come on, man, pull up. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but I did, I, I played soccer. I did a lot of martial arts and then. Uh, did, yeah, uh, your punching bag in the garage, I looked scared of you when, it, when oh, we walked man. past before. Well, no, that that's Whoa, more because of Tessa. Oh, okay. like, she boxes, so <laughs> right, don't yeah. let that fool you. It's not because of me. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was always a physical person. I loved working out. Yeah. Um, and um, so I decided to take a little course. I thought I'm just going to have this, have it, you know, so I could show it to people and I can help people more with diets. Because I was getting these people asking me, all right, I'm doing this shoot and I'm going to, I need to look like this and I need to do that. I'm like, all right, well, how am I going to do this? And so I started reading as much as I could. Uh, I ended up making friends with a, a um, bodybuilding trainer who taught me a lot of cool little tricks about, you know, water manipulation and certain, you know, uh, vitamins and minerals that you had to consume if you're losing this much weight or if you're trying to gain weight, how do you gain, you know, but do it in a safe way. Mm. Um, so I learned I, and read as much as I could and I put all that under my umbrella and, and, and started just cooking for these people. Uh, I ended up even cooking for athletes. I ended up doing some work with uh, the Olympic um, 
speed skating, uh, ice speed, uh, speed skating team. Wow. These guys are massive boys, you know, and then I was trying to help them with their strength training and helping them with nutrition. Um, so it became this thing. It was like, I was just doing, you know, like it was, there was the entertaining aspect of it all as well. I would get people asking me to do, oh, come and do a glamorous dinner, this and mm. that. And yeah, I said, sure, why not? Um, so it, it was, it was, it was amazing. And it just kind of just went through the roof and it kept me busy for a lot of years and cut to, you know, I ended up, you know, meeting Chris Hemsworth in, in LA when he was living in LA, he was living in Malibu to be exact. Um, and I hadn't met his wife Elsa prior, um, prior to that. Elsa and I had a lot of, uh, common friends like there, we had a lot of she, being an actress you know i had a lot of friends who were actors as well who knew her and, and and they you know they told me well she's living in la now she's with chris hemsworth and i'm surprised you haven't run into her she would love to have someone like you and i, I thought oh, i never you know i haven't and then funny enough she ends up getting a hold of me through through another contact and i uh, met chris and uh he had just finished um the first Thor and needed to, yeah, was looking at, he, he was getting ready to do the second Thor and needed someone to mm. help him. So yeah, I started helping and started cooking with him. And this was all in, 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 in California. Um, and one day I think I was traveling with him throughout London. We were doing, cause I helped him with the Avengers as well, all mm. the Avengers films. And then he ended up just deciding to leave United States and said, you know what, I'm moving to, back to Australia and I moved to a beautiful little coastal town called Byron Bay. Have you ever heard of it? I've never heard of it. Um, I'd been to Australia before, but never to Byron. So I moved R with him. Rookie era. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. So I moved, I moved with him thinking, oh, I'll just come with him and do one, one more film. Uh, I'll move there and yeah, I came here and absolutely fell in love. I thought, eh, I could stay here. I could probably, my whole idea when I first moved here was to open up a little, tiny little, you know, restaurant um, mm. as close to the, to the beach as possible and just have it, only have maybe 15 seats. Obviously that changed, that didn't happen, mm -hmm. ended up doing other things. But um, I, I fell in love with the place and I kept cooking with them and then um, cooked for a few of the other Avengers as well, um, obviously because they were part of the cast and I ended up getting a few things. But right before the pandemic, I, I, Decided I was going to go because I had spent at least a good uh, working with him quite a bit for six years. Mm. Um, I was doing other things, but he was one of my most closest clients. You know, we became great friends. You know, he was, his family was amazing and beautiful. And and uh, I, I I had this idea of do, of doing some new things. And I thought, all right, I'm going to get. I'm gonna, I have this idea to do this. And I had some. I was going to go back to Spain get some get some inspiration. Obviously, that's when all of COVID happened. Mm. And then just everything got thrown to the side. Ended up uh, not going, being able to go anywhere. Mm. Uh, so all these ideas that I had to do, not just not necessarily a restaurant, but sort of a lab. Mm. And so that was my idea. But I was going to get some information and some more, more inspiration in, in Europe. And that didn't happen, so I had to put it on hold. And... Um, so stayed here trying to just did random jobs, did random things the way anybody did to mm. survive when that was happening, really. Um, and that's when I met John Winning and um, helped him 
and uh, started helping him on, on his diet first. And then he does a lot of things outside of the winning appliances company that are just very innovative, having to do with music and arts and, and business. So he's a very, really innovative human being. Great. And um, yeah, so we, we, him and I became really great friends. He's been helping me tons on a lot of things. He's helping me on my cookbook, actually. Right, when's that um, Well, we're still in the process of doing a lot of the photography, realistically, probably not until uh, mid next year. Okay. Um, but he's gonna be publishing that for me. And I have one of the best food photographers in Australia, if not the world, Jason Lucas, who's done everybody that you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. He's incredible. Skeletor, look at him up on Instagram. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's shot Noma, he's shot, yeah, this guy's, right. I mean, he's proper. This yeah. guy's, and, and he's a great friend. So I, I want him, I wanted him to, <laughs> to shoot my food. Yeah. And, the, and the cookbook's not, it's not anything hyper modern. It's 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 this it's a group of it's just a bunch of recipes that I've learned throughout my journeys or inspired dishes. Let's just say yeah. some of them are nostalgic, some of them I've changed the way they look, you know, for an aesthetic purpose. But it, for the most part, every single dish in, in um, it's made by 80, 80 recipes. Every recipe in that book that I'm gonna have is it has a story and has inspired right. me. You know, and what better way to tell the story with them with Jason Lucas? And I've got some great editors who are helping me write, you know, a little bit about it. Cool. Yeah. So what's um, so what's your advice for young chefs, current chefs, when it relation to looking after themselves and being able to you know put out the best work as well? Oh, well, I mean, look, it's no secret. Everyone knows that you know to be the best version of you is to have a good, uh, clean, healthy diet and exercise. You know, the whole thing that everyone, yeah. you know, everyone knows that. Well, what's your advice for employers who are, you know, trying to encourage these people? Because we, we've gone from this old culture mm. of, of working people to the death, throwing pens at them, yeah, and, yeah. you know, well, probably before both of our time, yeah. or maybe not so much for me. But um, yeah. more so now we've got this, thing going on like what do you reckon's happening like me and you go well, we 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 live in pretty healthy lives now ice yeah. bars and all the rest so you do 10 minutes of mornings that what you yeah, say 10 yeah. minutes of morning guys yeah that is ridiculous okay <laughs> well it took me a while to get to that point yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so you know you've got this pinnacle of health really you're mm. eating lovely still the mediterranean yeah. diet plus all the stuff you know um you know just a few tips and tricks for the kids who are out there and the you know people who have been in this for a long time just doing the grind I, well, for, first of all, I really think that a lot of restaurants are starting to take note of that and shortening the hours of, of cooks. It's starting to happen. Um, even Noma started doing that at their restaurant. They were, uh, I think their new restaurant has an actual gym inside for the staff to use. I think accessibility, having the accessibility and the ease of, of doing these sorts of things, like, you know, gyms, there's so many gyms now everywhere, mm. right? There's a new gym that opens, you know, every day. But how many of them, some of them are giving discounts to, to people in, in professions of that, mm. you know, of that caliber. Yeah. Um, or just giving, you know, free information or, or workout programs, that sort of thing. There's always, I stay physical every single day, even whether it's 20 minutes or an hour, mm. as long as I keep my body moving. That's mm. my, my kind of anecdote or method that I do is stay physical in, in a way that's not, 
that has nothing, I'm not talking about stay physical, like take the stairs at work instead of, you know, the, mm. the, the lift. I'm saying physical activity that, that you can do maybe in solitude, you know? Mm. I think that's a, that's a very healthy way of doing it. It just gives you your, the, gives you the, the ability to kind of decompress. Get, do get, it anyway. You know, get, get, maybe get out of your head. Yeah. Or maybe think about things that you want to yeah. need right. to think about. You know, I do that a lot. I do a lot of walking or hiking, uh, just going, doing a, you know, 20-minute round on the punching bag. Yeah. You know, getting that energy out that has nothing to do with your job. Staying yeah. physical. Yeah. That's one thing that I do. That's right. Quite man. a bit. Um, cooking. I, I think the most wonderful gift you could ever give yourself or anyone is is cooking. And we both know good cooking comes from the heart. Yeah. You know? Um, and you know when something's fresh and when something's mm. not fresh. You know, mm. just... It's it's obvious. Stay away from the packaged stuff. You know, yeah. it just it, what, what is it that they say? It's like the outer parts of the the, the grocery store have the fresh food yeah, and yeah. everything so in you the center. The milk and the yogurt <laughs> and the cheese and, yeah. the, and the meat and the fruit and veg, obviously. Um, and then inside uh, is all the pa yeah, pa packaged yeah, yeah. and boxed yeah. in. So it's like numbers. Stay yeah. away from numbers. Yeah. Oh, that was my next question for you. Was yeah. the average punter who wants to live on a budget because yeah. um, we all do. Yeah, uh, I, I think I know the answer. I think you've just yeah. summed it up there. But, you know. Yeah, look, it, I guess because you, you do the diets for the best people, the winners. Yeah, well, uh, Mister Winning himself. It's 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 actually there's no secret there though. I mean, look, you can get as luxurious as you want and Scrap buy that for a book title. Then <laughs> the secret is gone. <laughs> it's it's not it it you don't need like it's not like I'm I would be buying the most expensive wagyu beef for my clients or this, that some would want it or request it. But for the most part, as long as it was, you know, raised properly, you don't need to spend yeah, luxurious cut. That, yeah. You know, it doesn't, it's not, it, it's interesting what some people consider luxury. Like some people oh, think, well, truffles, truffles, white truffles or caviar, that's luxury. Well, to me, a beautifully grown tomato from yeah. Cooper shoot is a luxury. Yeah, I mean, because sure. when out. they're at their peak, oh. Yeah, oh, no, do a little shout out there. I love them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When they're at their peak, they're incredible. Yeah, I mean, you just bite into it like an yeah, apple. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they're not, and and in season, they're not. There's just a different thing. You know, it. Um, that's a perfect example for me. That's luxury. I love you know? that you said that because there's a you know a pretentiousism with you know the expensive things like the wagyu and the wara. Yeah, these things, and sometimes they, they just don't do it. But that's great that you said that because eating in season and eating locally and and the things that is actually really what luxury is, mm. and it's actually quite affordable. A lot of the time, we actually uh, associate a price. Yeah. It's something that should be luxury, yeah. You know, like we yeah. might do with vehicles or whatever, but mm. uh, but with food, it's actually quite the opposite. You actually mm. pay a uh, low price for gold, yeah, because it's in season, yeah. And what do we say? So we you pay shit for gold and gold for shit, yeah. Because if you're yeah. paying a lot for fruit and vegetables, like right now, figs out of season, right? oh, exactly. So we can still get them, but they are yeah. bloody ridiculous, yeah. So it's about. Well, exactly. Quality, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I, I noticed the difference. I mean, when, of something like, when was it? I, I did an event a couple weeks ago, and, and one of the things that the clients asked for was they wanted cherries. We're like, well, we can get, they're from the States, but <laughs> they're not at their peak. Yeah. And at the end, yeah. But I, know, but I noticed the difference. Like when cherries here are at their peak, they're incredible. 
And that yeah. sort of knowledge um, really is sort of everyone's responsibility. Yeah. Uh, we can't just say it's a government or a school. Or what, and, and, yeah, maybe it, it could be a lot more in there. Mm. But generally we have to understand the seasons. And the best way to do that is look at the price because yeah. things that are in season, if you can't mm. work it out or you can't get your fruit shop to tell you or whatever it is or you can't get to a market, yeah. the price of something usually means mm. it's actually in season, which is the opposite to a lot of yeah. other things. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to pay for wherever it's coming from. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, especially being in Byron, what you can get around here, mm. it's gold. You know, it's it's beautiful what you get here. And, and it, we are, we're very spoiled here. But I think, you know, I think more and more people are starting to learn what it is to eat seasonally. Mm. You know, before people would just go to a restaurant or expect, certain things you know well you know tomatoes are, are at their peak in the summer you know if you can't really use them in a salad during the winter they just don't taste good yeah uh, well yeah or asparagus you know now that they're coming into season here whereas before you would get the ones from mexico right yes yeah. uh, and we do from about christmas onwards mm. it's it's it's, it's uh, and we, really they're only from now till yeah. christmas but yeah. I think it's really, really sad that as a chef industry, like we're forever sending information out and lots of other people do as well. Mm. But we go to restaurants sometimes for our old favorite, right? And we know that we can get this and that. But for me, the ultimate restaurant who is working with right now, we want to see asparagus on the mm. menu. We don't want to see figs. If we can just continually do that, you're going to get a better bargain mm. as far as the restaurant's going to actually make money because they're buying yeah. the right products. Right. Asparagus is a great example. Mangoes, when they're at their peak, oh, you know, yeah. we're trying to grow them earlier mm. and bring them on early because they get better money for them. But mm. if we can just concentrate, and obviously we put out loads of information about seasonal stuff throughout yeah. socials, but if we can just concentrate on eating seasonally mm. and having wonderful specials at restaurants, I think restaurants can go a long way in helping educate punters on what to eat and when. And you said it's like at the very start, I might have been before we started recording about the difference of what chefs have to know. They have to understand why things are important. So we go back to soil mm. type, we go back to growing yeah. areas, we go back to the science of it all and, and putting what goes with what and why. Um, mm. There is a lot of responsibility on chefs. Well, I, th I think moving forward, that's gonna have to be the responsibility of chefs. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I mean, look what, COVID did to the industry, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's exposed how vulnerable it actually is because we've, we've become such a fast world, right? Everything, it's all about access. So you have, you have access to this anytime, any, from any part of the world. Mm. And there's a luxury in that. People love that, you know, to have access to something like that. And, and, and the de so the demand has gone through the roof. That puts tremendous pressure uh, pressure on on chefs, on farmers. You know, there's only you can't grow something fast just because you you need to get it out there faster. It, it has a process, its own process. It's got it's got its own natural timing. Mm. And you know, we, I've you know that's the culture that we've we've unfortunately you know, become. And, and now we, we're realizing that we're, we've, we've gone, we've moved way too fast. So now we're trying to slow down. You know, you, you've got the whole slow food movement, which has been happening mm. forever, which is an incredible thing. But, you know, when you look at 
a lot of how everything's developed, it has. It's gone really quick. People want things faster and and more luxurious. And, and what we need to slow things down. We also need to accept the fact that cooking and good cooking and, and, the, and the, the health, mental and physical health of the person doing that, it, it requires patience and, and timing. And you need to move with it, not against it or, or, or extract it from the future so you can get it now. You know, it's, we, we, we do have to slow down. We do have to um, be more responsible. And when I say that, I mean chefs in general. I think, the, I, I honestly think that the, 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 the traditional, the, the traditional culinary school of today is very antiquated. It's, it's, it's got, look, not, not to say that you can't learn you know, beautiful techniques and cooking methods, which to be honest with you, you're going to have to do that anyway at the, whatever <laughs> restaurant you work at. So might as well get paid for it. Mm. But um, they are very, we need something new because it's not going to be enough for you to just learn how to cook. You're going to need to understand what farming is, how, 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 what's the process of farming and agriculture? Mm. You're gonna have to understand that. You're gonna have to understand the science behind it all. You're gonna understand, un, need to understand how it affects the body, the nutritional biochemistry of it, all of that. I know it sounds like a lot when you think about it. Like, well, why would a chef need to do that? Well, there's a reason for it because I think if we keep going at the rate that we're going, we're gonna, we're gonna burn out. Mm. We're, we're not going to have access to anything. Yeah, we're going to have to, it's going to go back to what it used to be. We're mm. going to have to be, be growing our own food again. Mm. And yeah, the joy. We need the joy of real food, the joy mm. of the seasons, and understanding what's good. But I can actually tell you that nature's actually doing that education for us. Yeah. And that's what eating in season is, mm. right? Normally, you need oranges through winter. Winter, winter could vitamin C, right? right? So when oranges happen to be in season, through bloody winter, yeah. right? Yeah. So if we can just eat the things when they're in season, you'll actually find that they correlate with right. with the, the weather and what's going on weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. So nature's pr pretty much providing the medicine for us a lot of the time. Absolutely. And there's probably not enough documented generally. You know, we're always influenced mm. by who's on TikTok and this and that and that. Right. There's a lot of misinformation that can confuse us all. Yeah. But getting back to if I can just give the basics for, for what I'm sure you know, is yeah, just eating in season um, is actually the answer to, yeah. to everything because normally, like yeah. you know, blueberries are around for, mm. for a reason at a time, and eating out of season often sends weird messages to the body. It's like, wait a minute, yeah, no. yeah, no. But, um, yeah. Well, that's absolutely that's that's what I think the the future of that is, and um, you know, I've I would love to do something like that in the future where. We do teach that. To, uh, to we folks. we shed. We will. Uh, yeah. And that's that's yeah. sort of what we're doing up at the shed. Yeah. Which I know you haven't mm. been there yet. But when you, when you come up, we'll, yeah. we can, you know, we can do something. Like, we probably would. Um, yeah. You know, some awesome winning yeah. appliances. But but that's you know that you know you know good physical exercise and and uh, you know. Yeah, it sounds like just. Because you're going to tell me to talk anyway. I'm going to yeah. talk. Yeah. Scala <laughs> jumps in. <laughs> my apprentice. It sounds <laughs> like. Through your life, though, you've just actually, like, you, you're like, oh, yeah, then I met this person for a connection. This person. Mm. It sounds like, though, you've actually done the hard work as well, like, in what you've said, which is actually quite nice to hear because so mm. many times you hear the success of the story, but you don't actually see the hard work. Like, mm. 
which one I really appreciate. Mm. But also, do you think that, you know, what we were kind of getting back to the four, five hour, four day, five day week, mm. maybe back in the day, people just enjoyed what they did and were more present and actually were like foraging for ingredients. And like, yeah, it took them three hours, but they saw the sunrise and they saw this and they saw they that. Walked, they got and they exercise. got the value out of life mm. while working, in quotation marks for those that are listening. Um and maybe we're not time, we're so time blocking. It's like, oh, what do I get out of this four hours? Like, how can I, yeah, is yeah. that going to improve me? What do I get out of this? And mm-hmm. instead of like living in a world where we're like, what do I get in return? Maybe right. we need to change our mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I was saying. It, it is a, also a very cultural thing, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the restaurants in, in Europe, even uh, parts of Asia, but let's just say Europe, because I experienced them do that, where the restaurants, the chefs don't just go to work and go to a kitchen and then they clock in, work and leave. No, they get involved in the whole process of what goes is brought to the kitchen. For example, one of the restaurants I worked at, we there was a cheese that we would serve at the restaurant. So we would do these kind of weekly trips of, of to see how that product was made. We'd go to the farm. We'd go look at the cows that they used or goats, whatever. And we would wa- we'd watch the process. We would listen to the person explain to us what the, why they do it at this time of the year, at this temperature, uh, in these types of you know, pastures, yeah. and, and, and how long the aging process is, if there's any. We would learn all about that. So when we went back to the restaurant, we had something to – we had a – a resource. We we had something to, inspiration. Yeah. To oh, oh okay. Now that I know what that's gone through, I respect it more. Yeah. You're not gonna you leave know? it on the bench. No. Too. I'm like oh, I'm not gonna take it for granted. I'll just eat that and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Throw the rest away and, and eat yeah. it like it's nothing while you're right. looking at your phone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I, that. So that, a lot of restaurants in Europe do that now. There are places in Australia as well, you know, who um, who do that. I know Bray. He's big on that. Um, yeah. Dan, he's Dan's amazing. Um, he takes pride in all of that. He trained at this uh, at Muguritz, which is one of the restaurants that I was able to apprentice at as well. He was there, yeah, shortly. I think I was there after him. But um, he's an amazing chef, and he does that with his chefs. You know, um, you know. I think also um, at Attica, they do a great job. Attica does a great job. Um, uh, ben Shuri is really takes the time yeah. to educate his chefs. As, as with as much information as yeah. possible and enjoying it well that's the but thing because if you if you bring someone in if you make them Im- feel important in the sense well not feel because they are you're talking about we were talking about years ago like maybe whatever years ago chefs probably enjoyed working that much when you when you said that i agree with you because i certainly did i was working mm-hmm. five six days a week 18 hour days mm-hmm. but i loved it i Oh, there was this yeah, adrenaline. Because that's not what work is now. Work is right. bang. I'm going to watch you for every minute. You know, not right. not in my business, but you know what I mean? Like um, mm. making sure that people are getting value so they can put it on a spreadsheet so they can do a budget so they can do all the rubbish. Right. right. Where, what do I get from it's you? A, yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. really, like I was saying before, cooking and chefing is like an art and it does yeah. take a process and you should make it a part of your life as opposed. So everyone come out to the market, see our garden that's on the roof with all mm. the you know, there's varieties of stuff and, and learn how our process works. That's an invitation to everyone who's listening. 
Well, you know what, a really interesting process that I think would be amazing if they, if more people did it was that one of the restaurants I worked at in San Sebastian was we did a rotation. You know, typically you'll get a chef where, okay, uh, there's a pastry chef. They, they, they know pastries. There's a person who knows meats and there's a person who knows fish and mm. blah, that's blah, the, blah, right? The, the You've giant. got your chain of command or whatever. Yeah. But in, in many, this restaurant, we would rotate. So one person would be pastry chef for a month, learn yeah. all the basics or whatever it was that we were serving at the restaurant, do it for a bit, and then they, they would rotate to a different section to the point where everyone would go through rotation yeah, up that. to foraging. Foraging was the the last thing you would you yeah, would do yeah. because it was the more intricate, the more the most delicate thing. So that was the very last thing you mm. would do. So you, everybody knew everything, even the dishwasher, which I thought was incredible. So you can cook. So you never you said that eliminated that that night in case someone got sick, some either person would fill in. It didn't matter. Mm. You were all learning the same exact thing, and you're talking about wow. a restaurant that was, was top that? fifty of the world. Uh, Muguritz. Yeah, that's bloody amazing. So you're learning a lot of incredible things, and and if that makes gives people more of an incentive to be there because they they get excited. Okay, I'm not going to be stuck here for the for however long I need to. I know that if I learn it, which is all the methods were incredible, I'm going to gain something incredible, and then from there I'm going to move on to the next one. So it's exciting because you're moving through the ranks mm. during the season of that that that. Well, restaurant is open. Mm. It's yeah. creating a connection as well. Yeah. You get an appreciation from all assets right. of the restaurant, plus getting almost like a view from 10,000 feet up. Exactly. So yeah. it's like connects everyone. Mm. And 10,000 below. Yeah. 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 And that, it does, it builds that camaraderie, you know, the, the oh, trust, yeah, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, yeah. So... Man, mm. we could we could talk all day, so yeah. we, better, we better wind up. But <laughs> yeah, um, totally. um, mate, that 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 last bit <laughs> sounds really interesting, and um, I think yeah. we should explore that. I'd love you to come up to the kitchen, and we can film yeah. some stuff as well. And yeah, uh, that'd have be awesome. The garden that we've got on the roof, and the whole education piece that we're trying to do there. So yeah, I'd love you to do that. It looks like family's home, mate. So, um, <laughs> yeah. You go cook those delicious vegetables All and right. um, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, thanks so much podcast. for having me. Exciting. Pleasure. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Whoa, how good was that? Sergio's a complete legend. What a day in Byron we had. Fantastic. Uh, if you want to uh, learn more about Sergio, check out his Instagram, Sergio.Pereira. There's loads of cool videos on there. Look out for his book as well and continue on with his awesome journey. Okay. Thank you. And we'll see you at the next one.